Welcome to this Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, which is number 13. I hope this doesn't turn out to be unlucky uh, for me or for any listeners. Last week was definitely a lucky week for me. Uh, if you didn't catch Chris Marquardt's Tips from the Top Floor podcast last week, uh, then take a listen. I was interviewed by Chris, uh, and it was released on Friday, November the 25th, as episode uh, or show 74. The interview came about because a member on both mine and Chris's forums uh, called Prism posted a link to my show on Chris's forum, and I found the link and the conversation that followed it and jumped in to answer a few questions. And Chris read the post and we got together. I, I must say that Chris is every bit a nice guy that he comes across as in his podcasts. Of course, none of this was planned. I certainly didn't put Prism up to this. Uh, but thank you anyway, Prism. Uh, today's show is going to be about a subject that you posted a request for information on in my forum, uh, which is how I made a shot in my gallery uh, with the tilt-shift lens that I own. The lens that I have is a 24mm f3.5 L lens. Uh, the Canon tilt-shift ranges carry the letters TS-E, so it's a Canon TSE 24mm f3.5 L lens. Uh, we'll get to the shot which Prism mentioned in a short while, but first I'll explain about the lens and uh, the way I work with it. So anyway, uh, today's show is for you, Prism. Thanks, mate. So tilt-shift lenses are most commonly known for their applications in architecture photography. Tilt refers to the action of angling the lens relative to the film plane so that they are no longer in their normal positions and the optical axis of the lens is no longer at right angles to the film plane. With a tilt angle of zero, the image is focused on a subject plane that is parallel to the film plane or the sensor plane if you're using digital. And the nearest and furthest focal points are determined by the depth of field as usual. Uh, this means that the camera cannot focus on a subject that's outside of the depth of field provided by the aperture setting. If you want to make an image containing objects that are, say, at an angle to the film plane, though, uh, and for some reason you don't want to or simply can't achieve a wide enough depth of field to get all of the subjects in focus, you can tilt the lens so that the focus plane is the same as that at the angle of the subject. You can tilt the focus plane so that it's closer to the camera on the left uh, and further away on the right, or vice versa. By rotating the lens by 90 degrees uh, clockwise or anticlockwise, uh, you can tilt the lens up or down instead of left to right. That allows you to lay the focus plane down so that it is closer to the camera at the bottom of the frame and further away uh, at the top of the frame. And again, uh, the opposite is possible by tilting the other way, you know, tilting the uh, lens upwards. So let's take a look at the first photo for today, which is number 638, which illustrates what happens when the lens is tilted downwards. I'm not going to continue to explain this every week, uh, but for listeners new to this show, 
If you are using iTunes, you can view the photo by clicking on the thumbnail in the bottom left-hand corner. To view the other images, just click to the uh, right arrow above the thumbnail and move through them, clicking on the thumbnail each time to view the image. If you are listening on an iPod, uh, for now you'll only be able to see the first shot until Apple are kind enough to release a chapter tool uh, for the Windows OS so that I can make enhanced podcasts. If you have access to the internet while listening, you can view the images on my website at martinbaileyphotography.com by entering the number I just gave you into the little box under the podcast section on the top page or in a similar box on the podcast page. Another way uh, is to view the photos by clicking on the thumbnail in the table on the podcast page. Just look for the episode that you're listening to right now. It's 13, and the thumbnails to the images will be listed there too. If you view the shots on my online gallery, uh, you can also see all of the other shooting data as well. Anyway, once again, uh, this shot is number 638 and was made with an aperture of f5.6 at 1 125th of a second. Uh, It's easy to see that all of the flower heads are in focus, which would simply not be possible without laying the focus plane across the head of the flowers. You can also see, if you look closely, that the shorter flowers at the front of the frame, the ones that are lower than the white poppy and the higher red poppies, are out of focus. Uh, These are too low in the shot uh, and out of the depth of field uh, given by the f5.6 aperture. Remember that now that the depth of field is going uh, from roughly around the top of the uh, white poppy to the top of the red poppies, the higher red poppies, right the way to the back of the shot. And it's not parallel to the film or sensor plane as it would be with a normal lens. Let me read you a brief explanation of the Skymflug's law. When the extended line from the lens plane and the extended lines from the subject plane and the film plane intersect at the same point, the entire subject plane is in focus. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Moving on. The other features of this lens is called a shift. Shift refers to the action of moving the lens sideways parallel to the film plane so that they're no longer in their normal positions and the optical axis of the lens is no longer passing through the centre of the film plane. Shift is used to straighten up converging lines, such as those you'll see when you photograph a building looking up at it. The base of the building is larger because it's closer to you, and the top of the building uh, looks smaller because it's further away. When you shift the lens, uh, you make the top of the building look larger, and you can effectively straighten it up. I'm not sure about tilt-shift lenses from other manufacturers, but with the Canon TSE lenses you can use tilt and shift together uh, by, say, first shifting the lens to straighten up a building and then also uh, ensure the entire face of the building is in focus by tilting the lens. This will move the focus plane to that of the building face. In the next photo, which is number 639, and this incidentally is the image that Prism was interested in, I used both the tilt and uh, shift functions together, uh, but not in the conventional way. In this shot uh, of the lobby of a building in Shinagawa here in Tokyo, I tilted 
uh, almost the whole way to the right to make the focus plane run from just right of center of the frame to the center back. I also use the shift function to straighten up the pillars of the building. Without doing this, uh, the building pillars would have been converging in at the bottom uh, of the frame as they were moving away from me uh, when I was looking down on them. I set the aperture to wide open, which for this lens is f3.5, to get the shallowest depth of field possible. The resulting image looks pretty surreal with both sides of the image out of focus. Uh, for some reason, this it, it almost feels like a model, like you're looking at a model uh, shot through a macro lens or something like that. It was mainly to make shots like this that I invested in a TS lens. I may take some architecture shots uh, given the chance, but I'm not running around looking for these chances. I'll probably at some point uh, find this lens useful for straightening up, say, a rock face or a waterfall or something like that in landscape photography too, uh, but as of yet I've not used it to do so. I should mention that I recently replaced the focusing screen in my uh, new Canon EOS 5D for the precision matte focusing screen, uh, EE-D this is, which is the one with the grid lines. This makes using the TSC lens much easier, and I found this out last weekend when I visited Shinagawa here in Tokyo and shot the next two photos for today, the first of which is number 763. I planned this shot before leaving the house, uh, and I in fact only took the 24mm TSE lens and my 24 to 105mm f4L lens. The reason for this is that I knew that the illuminations in the first shot were going to require a lot of depth of field. It was going to be dark when I made my exposures, and also I thought it might uh, make a nice effect. And I'm relatively pleased with the results. This first shot, uh, with the orange lights as opposed to the blue light in the next shot, allows you to see that both sides of the shot are out of focus. Uh, but the centre is in focus, uh, right from the very front of the shot to the back of the frame. I shot this at f5.6 at one-tenth of a second uh, using ISO 400. Needless to say, an aperture of 5.6 would not have produced a depth of field enough to keep the illuminations at the back of the shot in focus had I focused on the front of the, uh, the illuminations at the front of the image. Note also that I probably could have closed down the aperture a little more to around f8 or maybe f11, and although it would have resulted in more of the people in the shot being blurred, you know that's because they're they're moving. Uh, I probably would have achieved pan focus, uh, which is where the entire image from the foreground to the background is in focus. Anyway, I hope these shots illustrate the point that the focus can be tilted from being in line or parallel with the film or sensor plane to being almost 90 degrees from it, from the camera to the back of the frame. The last shot today doesn't really illustrate this effect that well, but I'm going to include it anyway. It is shot number 764, and I used the TSE lens to keep only the blue lights on the trees at the back left in focus and the trees to the right, uh, including the orange trees across the path, out of focus, adding to the slightly dreamy effect of the image, I thought. To increase the effect a little, I also opened the aperture to f5.0.
Other uses for TSC lenses include being able to recompose the shot, such as it looks as though you are standing further to one side than you actually are. This is useful, for example, for taking a shot of an object with a shiny surface in which you might catch a reflection if you stand in front of it uh, when you take the shot. You can stand to the side slightly uh, and then shift the lens so that it appears as though you're actually standing in front of the subject. You can also do this to create a panorama shot. To do this, mount the camera on a tripod and take one shot shifted to the right, one in the centre and then one to the left or vice versa uh, without moving the camera at all. This results in three shots uh, that can be stitched together uh, to make one wide panorama shot but you won't get the usual perspective distortion that you would get uh, by doing this by just panning your camera with a normal lens. I've not used my lens for these last two uses but it's worth bearing in mind uh, in future if you have a TSE lens I certainly will be. Canon does three TSE lenses uh, for the EOS camera range the one I have as I said is the 24mm and there's also a 45mm and a 90mm version both of the other two have a aperture of f2.8 uh, they're not L lenses though so the image quality might not be quite as good as the 24mm uh, the 24mm actually, once you start tilting and shifting, does get a little bit soft as well. So you know, it's probably worth trying to go for the L lens if, if image quality is important, and it usually is. Nikon also do a range of TS lenses, I believe, uh, but I'm not sure about other manufacturers. I've also seen adapters that you can use with standard lenses, uh, but I, I couldn't find a link to anywhere any manufacturer for these uh, before starting to record the show if i do find some I'll, I'll include them in the notes later if you're interested in a ts lens though uh, i'm sure that a, a quick search on the internet will turn up a supplier you can work with if you already have a ts lens and weren't doing so already i hope that uh, this show will give you some ideas on how to get a little bit creative with it so that's about it for this week. The first time for a number of weeks that I've actually managed to hit the target time of just 15 minutes. I've been running over quite a lot recently. Thanks also, though, to those that contacted me last week uh, saying that they were quite happy with the length. Um, it did go over, I think it was something like 36 minutes last week. Uh, and it didn't bother a number of people. Uh, so thanks for those people for letting me know. Don't forget also that there's just a few days left in November. So... If you want to be in with a chance of winning an original print at A3 Plus of the shot of your choice from my online gallery, all you have to do is to make one post or more in the forum at martinbaileyphotography.com. Of course, registration is free and it only takes a few minutes if you're not already a member. Even if you don't want an original print, uh, your feedback is very welcome too. And this can be done either in the forum by posting directly into the forum for all to see uh, or by private message from the forum or via the contact form on the podcast page at my website. One last thing before we close for today. Uh, the podcast alley votes get reset each month. So once we get into December within the next few days, uh, if you 
like the show and would like to vote for it, please go over to Podcast Alley and do so. You can also vote from the Podcast Alley link on my podcast page. And also, I noticed recently that a number of listeners had been kind enough to post some comments on the Yahoo podcast page as well. I really enjoyed reading the comments. Thanks very much, guys, for your support always. And please, if anyone has not gone over there yet, Yahoo uh, is also a great place for you to uh, show that you that you like the show, if you do. Even if you don't, obviously, if you don't like the show, your comments are just as welcome. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Happy shooting, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been a Martin Bailey Photography Podcast.